morning, everyone, and welcome to the Pre-Stamp Read, formerly Bet Less, Make More. I'm your host, Michael James, today here talking to you about fantasy football receivers in the NFL ranks for the 2017 season. Quarterbacks and running backs already up on the board. Today, we finish out your predominant weapons. We'll be getting tight ends next, and then we'll get into the really deep fantasy ranks with O-line and individual player defense. All that upcoming, but today, wideouts. Your playmakers out on the edges, speedy guys going downfield, getting big chunks of yards and a few scores through the season. When you're looking at wideouts, it's a little different than looking at quarterbacks or running backs. In fact, each position just slightly differs in what you're really looking for. With receivers, you know you want one of the top guys, but you have to be careful because some teams, maybe that top guy is the only guy. So he's going to see four, five defenders on him every single game all year long. And even though he'll still be productive, he might not in the end be the most productive of all receivers, despite how elite he is, because a dude's just going to get manhandled all season long. So you need to have a top-tier receiver, one of the top 10, if not top five guys, in his own production, in his own playmaking, as compared to the rest of the league. But you also want him to be on a team where there's at least a couple other receiving options. Now, maybe not a 1A, 1B, where you have another receiver that's almost or as good as he is, but at least a couple other receiving options that have some sort of threat to keep defenses honest, so that your top guy at most is going to see maybe a double team with his skill set, size, speed, all the attributes you're looking at that make him an elite receiver in the league, he should be able to get over that and put up stupid big numbers on the season. You also want to take into account the level of competition that player is going to see. You have to, irregardless, every single position, every single player. That is one of, if not the key factor to keep in mind. What level of competition is going to see? The easier schedule, the lesser quality defensive backs that your wide receiver is going to see, the easier time it is that he's going to go out there and put up numbers. And he can't put up those numbers without a rather stupid good quarterback at the helm. If there's no leadership on the team, if there's nobody there heaving that rock across the field with some accuracy, then it doesn't matter how good your receiver is, he's not going to be putting up numbers. All these things being considered, when you break it all down, there really is only one dude this year that qualifies across the board. Everything that you're wanting to look at. And he's the only guy that could put up, not career, but NFL record-breaking kind of numbers this season. That guy, Julio Jones of the Atlanta Falcons. Dude comes off a pretty big season yet again. The Super Bowl runner-up Falcons. And in a rare circumstance, a lot of times you see that number two fall. And fall hard like Carolina did just this last year coming off of their 2015 Super Bowl run, runner-up to Denver Broncos. Unlike how that happens and as common as it is, Atlanta has a real shot at going the distance again and maybe getting the job done this time. Julio Jones will play a major factor in that. What's helping him out? is that he's got a decent group around him in his receiving core. A couple backs we've already talked about, and Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. And in fact, they are one of the top tandems in the league. 
with rookie Brian Hill out of Wyoming. They're one of the best running back groups in the league. Coleman and Freeman can both receive it out of that backfield. And Freeman himself is one of our top five, top three, in fact, running backs in the league this season. So you've got a solid balance in your team, in your ability and the depth to be able to run and pass, keeping opposing defenses honest. They can't load up Julio Jones on his own because they have to be real fearful, not just mindful, but fearful of what Freeman or Coleman can do out of that backfield. Then you add in the receiving core, as we talked about. Guys like Austin Hooper and Levine Toilolo at the tight end spot, and Taylor Gabriel, Mohamed Sanu, even Andre Roberts at wide receiver. All of them are capable, solid additional receiving outlets. And though I don't know any of them is a threat for 1,000 yards plus on the season, Sanu's a guy that's worth six to 800 yards. Hooper, as now the starting tight end into his second year, some, showed some solid play late into the season last year as they made their playoff and Super Bowl run. He could be their number two receiving option outside of Julio Jones. He may be worth 800 to 1,000 yards. Not quite a grand, but he'll get close. Gabriel, speedster downfield. That kind of dude could see 18, 20, 21 yards per reception. And even though he's going to see those kind of big numbers, he's not going to see so many receptions that dude's going to put up a grand on the season. But he's a big play threat you have to watch out for. Keeps your safeties deep and playing honest. Can't load up in the box against the run. Can't double team out against your wide receiver. With Sanu, Roberts, Gabriel, Toilolo, Hooper, Devontae Freeman, Coleman, uh, Brian Hill out of that backfield. There are so many weapons on this team that despite what defenses will want to do, they cannot just stick three, four guys on Jones to try and shut him down. They will be exposed so easily everywhere else. You can't afford to. And when it comes to what these defenses look like, what kind of depth of quality opponents Atlanta's going to see, Fact is that Julio gets it good there, too. Not only is he one of the top five easy receivers in the league, looking like number one this season, coming off of a Super Bowl run, primed for another one, accompanied by a balanced rushing attack and a shit ton of wide receiving options around him so that opponent defenses can't man up on him hard, four or five deep, but those defenses are not that strong. Atlanta will see the fourth easiest schedule Passing offense to passing defense. They're going to see some really weak competition in those defensive backfields. So everything that you're looking for when drafting a wide receiver is there available for Julio Jones. He has the compliments. He has the weapons. He has the quarterback in Matt Ryan. Another guy who was one of our elite few quarterbacks for this season. One of our top three. With Jones, Ryan, and Freeman, there's a trio here that could do massive damage, as they have already done in the years past, and it's going to go in a big way. With the weakness of competition, the strength of all the players around him, everything that's going on for Julio Jones, this is the kind of year where Duke could get to two grand. We got him just under that at 1,980 yards, 20 under, but he could be looking for two grand on the season. At least 90 to upwards of 100 receptions on the year, a 20 plus yard per reception average, 
and at least double-digit touchdowns, hitting 10 on our board. Easily making him the number one receiver in the league. A Calvin Johnson, Jerry Rice kind of season is awaiting this guy. And it wouldn't be his first stupid good season. He could break all of his personal records. He could dominate this season with everything that's working in his favor. If you miss on him, it's going to suck. Because he's as locked and loaded and guaranteed as it gets this season. But if you miss on him, there are other receiving options out there that you have to take into consideration that are, on a more normal, natural level, worthy of your consideration. And number two for the Green Bay Packers, it's Jordy Nelson. A guy that could have a very good, if not modest by comparison of what we're expecting for Julio Jones kind of season. At 1,368 yards, what we're predicting for the year, around 90 receptions, a 15.2 yard per reception average, and same double-digit touchdowns at 10 as what we see for Julio Jones. The detriment to him is one of those things that you're looking for in having good complementary receivers around him, but he's got complementary receivers that are maybe just barely under him in skill and usage. Guys like Martellus Bennett, the free agent tight end who's coming off his Super Bowl run with the New England Patriots, wide receivers Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb, and some reserve guys in tight end Richard Rodgers and wide receiver Geronimo Allison. Bennett, Adams, Cobb, they will get their share of receptions. So this team is easily four deep in its starters in its receiving options, which will limit what Nelson's going to put up simply because he may not see as many looks. He's going to get the balls eventually. He's going to see some yards, but he's not going to get that Julio Jones level of production this season. Easily our number two receiver because of the yardage he's going to put up and the average per reception. And on any other year where maybe somebody like Julio Jones didn't have everything working to his favor, especially the matchups that he's going to see, Nelson would probably have been our number one receiver. Because everybody else follows a very normal pattern behind him. Your top guys all right around 11, 12, maybe 1,300 yards, 80 to 90 receptions, 12 to 15 yards per carry, 8 to 10 touchdowns, all sort of in that mix. So there are guys beyond our top three, guys that don't show up yet, who could easily be worth a look. Nelson, the best of that pack, pun intended is the one guy that would be the number one. But by comparison, for his schedule and the level of competition he's going to see, it's not bad at all, but it's not quite as good as Atlanta. Still a top 10 easiest level of competition in opposing passing defenses. Behind Atlanta, a few spots. But what he has there is that shared time with all those other quality high-end receiving options in Bennett, Adams, and Cobb that Jones, kind of on his own level, will not see with Hooper, Toilolo, Sanu, Roberts, guys like that. At number three, maybe the dude who's arguably the number one receiver in the league this season, we're not expecting him to blow out numbers, have a big, big year, but it's still solid enough to make him a top three. The guy we're talking about is Antonio Brown. Pittsburgh, 
They of the top three teams we're talking about today with Packers and Falcons have the hardest competition they'll see in pass defenses. The toughest competition, I should say. Ranked 13th, just outside top 12, middle of the pack. Antonio Brown is that one guy that's going to get dominant looks from Ben Roethlisberger. Always does, but he's also going to get dominant looks from defenses. He's got an okay receiving core around him in Martavis Bryant, Sammy Coates, Juju Smith-Schuster, Darius Hayward-Bay, and the tight end Jesse James. But it's nowhere near the same level as the two players we've already talked about. So Brown is really that one guy, which is not quite the scenario you want. You want him to be the guy, but the guy with some help that can be accounted for, that passing defenses need to be aware of. Martavis Bryant's coming off of a season-long suspension, and though rumors out of camp say, well, he looks good, you're rarely, if ever, going to hear camp rumors say he looked like shit. They're always going to be positive. They're always going to spin it. So, of course, he looks good. Of course, he looks like he's ready to go. Of course, he looks like a guy who could go for 3,000 yards on a season. It's the same bullshit any other team is spitting out right now. You're not going to know, and we're really not going to know what to expect from him until he's out on that field. And that's if he makes it on the field. That's if he doesn't get caught doing dumb shit again and find his ass suspended. There's a good chance he could be going down the path of guys like Josh Gordon and Justin Blackman and never show up in the league again. Behind him, wide receiver Sammy Coates underperformed in a massive way when he had the opportunity with Martius Bryant out last year. So, all this hype talking about how Coates is competing for a number one job, not buying into it, not by a long shot. Juju Smith-Schuster, the rookie at a USC, one of the most highly touted, overhyped players that came out of this draft. Every single year, this guy was talked about about being a number one receiver, should have been top in the receiving boards in almost every single year. He wasn't anywhere close. Beat out by guys like Corey Davis out of Western Michigan. How about Nelson Spruce? Remember him? From Colorado State before he entered the league now two years ago. Juju Smith-Schuster wasn't that guy ever, despite all of the hype behind him in college. Hype coming into the draft. Hype now onto the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not really going to happen. So you don't have the depth on this team. Not in Bryant, Coach Smith-Schuster, Hayward Bay, or Jesse James. There's not the depth of strength. Teams will be able to man up and get two, three, four on Brown they could afford to because there's not the other concerns on this Pittsburgh team. Your most major concern outside Antonio Brown is the running back Le'Veon Bell. They will see some decent run-stuffing defenses this year. Again, Pittsburgh just around top 12, sitting at 11 overall in ease of schedule. But that doesn't really help the receiving game too much. Even if Levy and Bell picks up an extra three, four, five hundred yards, he's not a wideout that's going to command the free safety, strong safety, and pay attention to drop back deep to open up things underneath. Antonio Brown, as the receiver, as the number one on this team, is going to have to do it all. That's the downside. Upside, talent-wise, he's one of the top five easy in the league. He's arguably the number one considering his production and his ability against his size. And some of the defenses he's had to go against 
in that NF, excuse me, AFC North over his career. Despite the hindrances he might see the season, dude's still worth about 1,200 yards, at least 80 receptions, about a 15-yard per reception average, and maybe more touchdowns than anybody else we've talked about. We have him at 12, two over either Jordy Nelson or Julio Jones. Again, you're expecting that of him because of the lack of depth, the lack of true reliable talent on that field around him. It's not the same level as the other guys we've talked about in Julio Jones, and in particular, Jordy Nelson with Ben and Adams and Cops. Expect Antonio Brown to easily be a top-five receiver. Other guys that could be in that mix, A.J. Green right there, Mike Evans right there, barely missing out. Either one could replace Antonio Brown as number three on our board. In the end, we had to go with Brown. Knowing his situation, he's going to get that yardage. He's going to get those scores, but without some help around him, with slightly more difficult pass-defense matchup than either of the two guys in front of him, just could not move him up any further than number three on the board. Now, you get somebody like Antonio Brown, you're going to need some help. And that help will come in other receivers. You pick up Brown, maybe you go one-two at wide receivers, and you're lucky enough to get somebody else really good, really elite, like a Mike Evans or an A.J. Green. Likeliness is you're not going to get Julio Jones and one of those guys as well, because as soon as Jones goes off the board, everybody else is going to follow suit and follow quickly. So, you need receiving help? Who do you go to? With somebody like Jordy Nelson, the answer is easy. You go and grab one of his handcuffs. Devontae Adams, maybe Randall Cobb. Between the two, Adams would certainly have the slider edge. A guy we're looking at just under 1,000 yards on the season, right around 912. 78 receptions, an 11.7 average, and at least going to get around four, maybe five touchdowns on the year. That's worthy of not quite a number one receiver, but you get a couple guys like him or you pair him up with Jordy Nelson, you've locked in probably about 40, maybe 50% of all passing production off of Aaron Rodgers. Doesn't sound like a lot, but that's enough to get you at least 150, maybe 200 yards plus a score or two every single weekend, regardless of which one of these two do, put up the major production game to game. Outside of the Packers in their heavy, heavy passing offense, which with a real lack of running game again this season, is going to be as dominant as it ever was off the hands of Aaron Rodgers. Beyond those guys, you want to look at maybe Corey Davis, the rookie out of Tennessee, pairing him up with the recently acquired Eric Decker, formerly of the New York Jets, and Ted Ginn of the Saints, pairing him up with Michael Thomas, last year's stud rookie wideout sensation, who they picked up from Ohio State in the 2015 draft. Excuse me, 2016 draft. I mean, you're off here. Corey Davis is a rookie, guy who was drafted to be the number one receiver. He would have been out there rotating time with somebody like Richard Matthews. They have a good depth of receiving talent there, but with the addition of Eric Decker, Davis may be fighting for a starting spot, may even be relegated to the slot. I don't know that he fits as the slot receiver, as the number one pick with his talents, his speed, his hands. You have to imagine he's going to see a solid majority of time. I would say about 60% of snaps. And if he's anywhere even close to that, he's worth at least upwards of 750, maybe 800 yards on the season. 
with probably about a 10-yard per reception average. So if you see him go for, say, 800 yards on the season, I imagine he's probably going to be looking at about 80 receptions on the season. Touchdowns in the mix with his height at about 6'3 and 200 plus. He's got the size to be a decent red zone threat. And though there are a lot of weapons there to work with, with Davis, with Decker, all the way down to your tight ends with Delaney Walker. It's in the red zone where he might do his most damage with consistency, putting up around six, maybe seven touchdowns on the year as a rookie. He might not have the same yardage as Devontae Adams, nor as our number three in handcuffs, Ted Ginn Jr., who we see putting up 960 yards, almost 1,000 on the season, as the number two for the Saints. But what Davis lacks, dropping maybe 100 to 200 yards in production over the course of the year from somebody like Ted Ginn Jr., he gains in those touchdowns as a red zone threat. Where Ted Ginn, his scores are going to come off those long bombs. It's what he's known for. Dude shows up in games. He can put up 150, 180 yards in a game. And then next game, one reception for 10 yards. And then that's it. That was his story throughout the majority of his career. It was his story for the entirety of his time in Carolina. Staying in the NFC South, he moves to the Saints to replace what they lost in Brandon Cooks. Cooks traded to New England. Ginn comes in. 960 yards is what we got for him. Around 77 receptions on the year for a 12.4 average. Pretty comparable to his numbers year in, year out. And, of course, the scores, that's where the downside is. Putting up two touchdowns. He might get an extra one or two off of that, upwards of three, four at the most, but it still doesn't make him the red zone threat, the scoring ability of a guy like Corey Davis or Devontae Adams even for the Packers. Their size advantages make them a more apt red zone threat. Again, is that between the 20 speedster you're going to use? And when they get inside the red zone, I wouldn't be surprised to see Ginn sit the bench in favor of letting somebody like Brandon Coleman at 6'6 and 225 come in and be that red zone threat for the Saints. That's opportunities to score taken away. So look for Ginn for yardage, plus what he can bring is a kick returner if they use him as such, and if your league uh, provides any sort of points for kick and putt returns. But again, does it match up to Davis or Adams? No, not quite. It's solid enough to be considered in that trio of decent handcuffs, but it doesn't quite make up for what you can get in Davis or Adams. Intrigued by those two more than anybody else, pairing them up with their number ones. Probably the best pairing you can get of any of these guys is the Davis-Decker mix. With Decker not having a year last year, we're talking about being dropped by the Jets rather late after the draft Hitting for agency, picked up by the Titans, new team, a lot of receivers there. He's the kind of guy that could and likely will end up being the number one receiver for the Titans, but may not go in the top end of your draft. He may fall quite a bit. If you can get him and Davis back-to-back, you've secured a solid chunk of Mariota and the Tennessee Titans passing offense for this upcoming season. And as both are red zone threats, not only have you secured yardage, but you've secured scores as well. Of any tandem on the board, that might be the one that makes the most sense. Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams will be hard to get because as soon as you grab Jordy Nelson, somebody else is likely going to scurry a Packers fan who missed their opportunity and they're going to go and get Adams instead. With the Saints, Thomas will go pretty high. But Ginn is one of those guys that always gets overdrafted. And if you wait too long to grab him, 
he may disappear before you get the opportunity. The sleeper of any of these is the Davis-Decker mix. People aren't going to be looking for Decker so much, going to a new team, not having a 2016. Really mixed emotions there. If he can produce anything, even if the two of them each only worth about 800, 850 yards, Davis outperforming our expectations for the season a little bit because Decker doesn't quite perform as high as we're expecting. If each is worth around 8 to 850, collectively between the two, that's 16, 1700 yards on the season and upwards of around 15 to maybe 20 touchdowns. That's a lot of points for your fantasy league this season. All right. For the full list of almost 100 players at wideout, just short, 96 on our board in total, ranked and rated for you, go to the website, thepresnapread.com, get all the information you're looking for, plus our projections for every one of these players and their comparable receiving cores, quarterbacks, running backs, all up on the board as well, so you can find information about these teams breaking down their entire offense to date, all of their power weapons, all your skill positions. One more time, thepresnapread.com. Go there, get everything you're looking for. Up next, we'll be going back to our power rankings, number 27 on the board with the San Francisco 49ers. They and the Jacksonville Jaguars at number 26 are our next two up, ready to rock and roll. We'll have that through the week, plus more as we continue putting out our fantasy ranks and as we get into July in the next couple weeks, we'll be kicking off college, talking NCAA, fantasy football, and our power rankings for preseason for 2017. So much more yet we got to get to. I am Michael James, as always, saying thank you for tuning in. Stick with us, and we'll see you next time.